Hello, everyone. I'm Contester of Wrestling.com, joined by Matt Black tonight to talk about AEW All Out, the craziest wrestling show in recent memory, if not this generation. I don't want to get too overhyped here, but my gosh, Matt, this was something else. Uh, top to bottom, it had to be the best AEW pay-per-view they've ever done. And they needed to hit a home run with all the new fans tuning in to CCM Punk back in the ring. And I feel like they just they, they hit a grand slam tonight they did I just, I, it was incredible i like that pun because we know that uh just cut in a couple weeks aw will be uh having their grand slam show in new york and <laughs> yeah. ironically ironically that was the show where they were expected to debut uh, Dan, uh, brian danielson or you know maybe have some of these other surprises but instead uh, they rolled out both brian danielson or daniel bryan and adam cole in the span of five minutes it was utter insanity. We are going to talk all about it. Before we do, just want to, want to remind you all of this show. Like everyone we do here, Rustone is available on any number of streaming platforms, SoundCloud, Spotify, YouTube, all podcasts, whatever it may be. We've got you covered. So the comments are already rolling in. It was a crazy show. One word to describe it. Wow. Uh, so some people uh, jump into saying WWE's dead. Rest in peace, WWE. I don't want to focus on that. Right? It's I, not. I, uh, I, WWE's not dead. Let's, let's not... AEW is very much alive. That's what we yes. need to focus on tonight. Yes. So my gosh, uh, we had the let's start with the main event and, and work work backwards from there. We had Kenny Omega defending the AEW World Title against Christian Cage, a match that we had just saw less than a month ago at the first episode of Rampage. That's where Christian Cage won the Impact World Title. So some perhaps under under hype for this one having seen that in a, in a high profile match a couple weeks ago but these guys still delivered it was a very fun match we had uh, a spear through a table which is pretty brutal these guys went out there put on a very good main event uh on a show when sam punk wrestled for for the first time in seven years when people thought that would main event but having the world title made it main event here not a bad call at all the guys still delivered and of course you get yeah you, you kind of had to know something was coming if this is going to main event, and as I, as I mentioned a minute ago, something surely did come. After Omega <laughs> won the title, the Elite did what the Elite do. They were beating down the good guys, and then Adam Cole came out, and the crowd lost it once. And at first, a very brief confrontation looked like he was going to step up to Kenny Omega. Instead, he super kicks Jungle Boy, and the Elite, the Super Elite, maybe even more than ever, uh, you know, standing full force here, and then Flight of the Valkyries hits, and Brian Danielson arrives to stand tall with the good guys to to chase off the elite, and very clearly set up the fact that he is here in AW and pretty much coming right for the throne, uh, if not right away. You know that 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 was the clear direction here. Matt, what do you think about all this? This was absolute insanity. Uh, when, when when it was reported early in the day that Christian and Omega was closing, I'm like, I'm not sure that's a good idea because it's a four-hour pay-per-view. And I was thinking, you know, WrestleMania X8 when they did Hogan and Rock, and they didn't let them close the show. And the crowd was dead for Jericho and Triple H in the main event. And I'm like, we might get a repeat of that. And like earlier in the ma- early on in the match, we kind of did. Crowd was tired. Crowd was kind of, you know, just kind of eh there for it but they got back into it in the end in the aftermath of the match made all the sense in the world is why we got what we got so yeah dude it was it was freaking great <laughs> i mean 
I I will say you know when CM Punk uh, officially debuted, you had the 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 now famous crying punk fan. I'm sitting here. I'm doing play by play news coverage for the show. I hear play the Valkyries. I start tearing up. I got to write through tears as I'm like, oh my gosh, Dana Bryan's here. Dana Bryan or Dana, Brian Danielson is one of my guys. Right, he's a guy that that I have very much uh, just been a huge fan of ever since you know. Maybe his Ring of Honor days were a little before my time, but it definitely his whole WWE run, that was the height of my fandom, uh, at least or so I thought. And now AW is bringing me back as a fan and definitely getting some comments like that, that, you know, AW is surely making wrestling fun again here. And like kind of like what I just said, Eddie Ahumada saying, AW has made me a wrestling fan again for years. I just read results, but AW makes it fun again. So, I mean, you have an ending like this, hard to disagree uh just absolutely crazy and then of course the hot chicago crowd making it even more fun my gosh i mean and again more just so much positivity here got love to see it uh chris burr saying aw has brought back my love of wrestling and i thank them kyle duffield saying aw is wrestling for me there's nothing else well worth the price of the pay-per-view here uh i mean yeah i mean to me literally literally the last five minutes alone worth the price and then you've got a good main event oh. match you've got cm punk returning to the ring you've got an absolutely bonkers tag title match you've got eddie Kingston and miro opening the show with a fun match uh, and even and, and more soho. beyond that ruby soho so much yep. stuff so much stuff um my gosh so i guess you know on top of all this positivity there is some concern right that now aw um i mean is is this too much? You've got CM Punk, you've got Dana Bryan, you've got Adam Cole. On top of this very loaded roster uh, that they already had, there's definitely some valid concern about how to properly juggle that going forward. And I think if anything, they've they've earned the benefit of the doubt. But as Jim Gilbertson saying, how do you showcase all that talent properly? And we got one comment earlier saying, do we think they'll turn? rampage into a full you know two hour show i have to feel like that's probably coming at some point uh especially the fact that aw is probably not done you've got guys like bray wyatt out there you've got any number of other free agents that are still in the pipeline there that if they decide to bring in again maybe not tomorrow maybe not next week but at some point in the not too distant future uh they're you know they're uh, it's going to be a challenge right and having too much too much talent never a bad thing but it's definitely you know it's going to be something they've got to try and figure out now and going forward where you've got just so much talent and talent like it's not even just talent it's you know it's you know front head of the line uh generational talent huge stars um and then again not a bad thing by any means but it's just you can't really kind of think that on the flip side of all the excitement it's like almost like can they pull this off like it's 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 not going to be easy you know to, to, to make all the people happy right well i think i think one of the best things they have going for them right now is their depth of the roster if you remember at nxt at its height of popularity their roster was extremely deep they only had one hour of television a week and they were able to rotate all these talents at weekly so every time you saw them you didn't see them every week but when you saw them they felt fresh they felt exciting everything about it just nxt felt cool like, you're not going to feel like you're getting any of these guys shoved down your throat because they have so much talent and they can rotate them in and make everything run smoothly between Dynamite and Rampage that I think they're going to be able to showcase their talent in a beautiful way, and I, I think it's going to be great. Like, as Khan said, he, he's never, he never believes that he's done building his AEW roster, and I don't think he's done after tonight. I think he's just getting started. 
Yeah, I mean, like I said, and, and I would I'd very much agree that uh, this is likely in many ways just the next step, right? And I'm not sure, like, the, uh, it feels like AW is constantly growing and evolving and, and continuing to reach new heights where every time they they go and they through and, and do something like this, that, you know, they, they, they surpass their expectations and do something even cooler, even better. Whether it's CM Punk, now it's Adam Cole, Brian Danielson, uh, and moving on here. Um, and again, like we were just talking about, Eddie Zahari wondering about, again, maybe sign too much talent too quickly. And, you know, again, as, as you were saying, you know, this is kind of what we kind of almost have to get used to. It's like they're going to keep adding talent. And as I said, uh, to, to introduce it, um, they've earned the benefit of the doubt. You know, they, they've yeah. done a good job uh, with this depth of the roster, with uh, utilizing people kind of differently where, you know, at one point they'll have uh, a Darby Allen kind of right in, the, in it, right in the thick of things, and then maybe he'll step back a little bit and somebody else will come up, and it's, it's rotating like that. So, um, you know, I feel like right now they, they've got to dunk pretty darn nicely. As you said, you know, when you had NXT, it's one hour, and they did, they did a good job of, you know, maximizing that. Now you've got Dynamite and Rampage on top of Dark, obviously, and Dark Elevation. But for the prime TV shows, that's just three hours. No, it's two hours. Two hours of prime TV. Uh, and, and to me, uh, I think... Three hours with Rampage and Dynamite. I, right. Dynamite is two hours, of course. So, <laughs> you know, oh, man. Dude, it's... Yeah. Dude, it's Pro wrestling overload tonight, man. man. You know we're we're gonna we're gonna make some mistakes at some point because the hype is real. It's it's <laughs> it is certainly real. It's a very fun time. Uh, I guess to to narrow it back down because we can sit here and try and figure out the the general side of it of, of worrying about uh, you know the the implications of this and how, how whether they can pull it off. But more specifically, as I as I set it up with, and this very clearly seems to suggest that Brian Danielson will be. Coming for the throne, uh, trying to you know take the title from Kenny Omega. Do you think that could be drawn out to full gear in November? Or do you think we possibly see that sooner? You, you can't. You can't do it sooner, and you can't do it at full gear. I mean, this is this is something AEW needs to be very careful about because I would imagine we're only a couple weeks away from the return of Handman Page, and that the AEW fan base is not going to. I don't think they're going to tolerate anybody other than Handman as right. being the one that's going to take that title from Kenny. So I do think we'll see Brian and Kenny down the line in a one-on-one -on -one match. I think it'll be after full gear. And I don't think it'll be for the AW championship. I think they'll, I think they'll build it. I think we're going to see them in a tag match of sorts before we see them in a one-on-one -on -one match. You know, maybe they team like, uh, they do Brian Danielson, Jurassic Express, and Christian Cage against Omega, the Bucks, and Adam Cole. Maybe they would do that at Grand Slam at Arthur Ashe. Yeah. How yeah. about that for a main event? You know, that could be that could be pretty big. And you maybe you have uh, maybe have Heyman Page return at Grand Slam to cost Omega that match. I don't know, just spitballing ideas out there. Yeah, I think I like that idea. I think that's definitely got to be. Uh, in in the cards, in in the natural distant future, and I, I would agree. I think that's definitely still the story that AW has been building up to. Uh, whether that's full gear, if they want to try and really have that that long term play there of having Hangman beat Omega once and for all, I think that'd be the mo maybe the most satisfying thing they could do at this point. You know, have Hangman be the guy that takes the title, and then as you said, have uh, Omega and Brian face off maybe in a, in a non title match. Beyond that, I think that'd be a lot of fun. 
uh, and then they could take the time with it, you know, draw it out even more. And I guess on the flip side of it, we'll, you know, we did get Adam Cole tonight joining or maybe rejoining, reuniting with uh, the Elite or in some cases Bullet Club. And again, briefly teasing that he would be, uh, you know, challenging or, or stepping up to Omega, but instead uh, turning right around and aligning with them. Do you think, I mean, I, I made this comparison or maybe I may tweet about it. Like I think it was last week. I think it was after the the the, the steel cage beatdown we had. Uh, that may have been Diamond or Rampage uh, that they were just beating him down. Are you? Is there any worry about some like N NWO overlaps here, or it's like now they're adding another guy, and you know now it's like they almost they're almost too unstoppable. Granted, you bring in Daniel Bryan, Bryan Danielson, and that's definitely a big uh, you know step in the in the opposite direction. Of like okay, now we got this big guy to kind of help. Uh, combat the, this force, but like suddenly you got, you got CM, you got CM Punk too. It's interesting to see how you he know, falls I, into I think it. They have, I think they have plenty of guys on the opposite side. I mean, the Bucks lost power tonight by lose, by dropping the tag titles to the Lucha Bros. So it's it's not like you know it's not like a faction that's holding all the gold in in AEW right now. They only have one title. Yeah, I mean, I guess they could bring Britt Baker in, but I, true. That'd be interesting. <laughs> you know. Um, but it's interesting because you know you do mention you know CM Punk maybe being there to to help combat this this force of the elite, but Joseph Priestley saying they got to stop putting people in factions. Like before before too long, it's gonna feel like everybody is aligned with a faction of some sort. Even though at this point, it's, it's very it's very New Japan. Yeah, they, this is a, this is definitely a storyline idea that was driven from New Japan Pro Wrestling, and AEW follows that a lot. I, I'm not saying that the people that are going to team up to defeat the elite are going to be a stable right. or anything like right. that. But I think they're going to be like-minded individuals, you know, fighting for the common goal of, you know, taking the elite down. Yeah, no. And, and it's, it's, it is important to know Michael Plesak here saying that Cole was with the elite or bullet club in new Japan. So it's not like a, you know, the unprecedented or, or like, well, they, they, well, they, they kicked them out and killed them. Yeah. And he, <laughs> even know, he briefly referenced they, that they tonight. killed him with a monster energy drink. You know, <laughs> So yeah, it's it's this is crazy. I loved it. So yeah, good. I mean to to put a little wrap on it here, probably the most exciting and heart pounding finish to a, a pay per view, especially if if you consider that the it wasn't even a match. This is like this happened after the match when you had uh, Adam Cole and then Brian Nelson come out. Um, absolutely awesome stuff. Definitely yet again here. AW Dover is a very fun night of wrestling, and this was after CM Punk's first match in seven years which is crazy to think, you know, I, I was typing the words myself tonight, winner CM Punk, he defeated Darby Allen. And this was definitely a match that was hard to call where, you know, the, I think there was definitely a very sizable group of people that were like, okay, you know, there's no way to, uh, there's no way that CM Punk loses. It's his hometown. It's his first match back. Uh, he needs this win. It's a feel good moment. And what, what, all those reasons on, on the complete flip side, you've got Darby Allen, a guy that it feels like loses all these big matches for the most part, you know, one way or another, at least, well, at least especially when it's just him, like he won with Sting and he's won some other big matches, but it does feel like there's that association with him. And so having that uh, in mind, if I, okay, maybe they'll have Darby Allen win. Cause you know, nobody could blame Punk for losing if it's his first match in seven years on paper. Uh, but you know, AW did go with uh, CM Punk winning there. Uh, so, you know, definitely a big win over the former TNT champion. Matt, what do you think of this match? And uh, someone mentioned it ago, what, where, what's the next step for CM Punk here? Well, I think, I think having Darby win would have been very bad for him long term. 
um, because this crowd would have instantly turned on him tonight had he beaten Punk. Yeah. And, you know, fan perception goes a long way and it could have it could have damaged him long term. Like yeah. him, him losing the way he did and Punk showing the respect afterwards and the handshake and everything. Darby got over by, you know, by losing this match tonight. So for the average fan who was tuning in just to see CM Punk back and this was their first time seeing Darby Allen, I think they're uh, I think they're really happy with what they saw. And I, I think they just made another megastar for their company for years to come. Yeah. Darby looked great in this match, and I thought, you know, like he, you know, probably did the best that he could with a guy that Simpunk's one of the greatest. But this was his first match in seven years, so you couldn't expect him to be exactly, you know, the top of his game. It's not like it was, a, you know, I imagine he'll get better as he gets like more back in the swing of things. But I think this is as good a match as you could expect. Uh, for me, it was kind of clear, like you could see Punk kind of like whispering to Allen here and there, like you know, you, they were clearly like feeling each other out and trying to like get and do it. And again, for punk returning to the ring there. Uh, I, like I said, I, I think we're going to be even more pleased with punk, uh, his performances as we go on here, as he gets back into the swing. Uh, because again, it's not easy to go seven years without, without wrestling like that. So, uh, I like this a lot. I think it was definitely the right call to have punk win in that sense. Matt, as you said, you definitely don't want the crowd turning on punk. If it was, if this, if, let's just say hypothetically, if this was somewhere else, if this was, if this was in like, Let's say it was on Daly's place. Like you could kind of see, like okay, maybe they could have that one. But it's Chicago. You're not gonna have CM Punk yeah. lose his first match back in Chicago, his city. Um, so I think that made all the all sense to the world. But I guess that does beg the question: what What's next for Punk? I mean, I feel like this was definitely a pretty concrete uh, ending, where like there's no real cause for Darby to have a rematch. There's no need to do this again. So what, what's next? Well, I think while they're in a holding pattern to what they for what his next potential feud is, I can see Punk, Darby, and Sting against Daniel Garcia in 2.0. Yes, that, as seems a short like term, six, yeah. that seems like a six-man tag match has to happen. Look, throw it on Arthur Ashe too. Stack that card to Kingdom Come. Yeah. Um, but like Punk mentioned on oral sessions with Renee Paquette this weekend that he wanted to team with Brian Danielson to face the Young Bucks. That'd be so awesome. that 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 leads me to believe that you know, punk wants punk wants to be involved in this, in this war with the elite. And I, I think he's going to get his wish. Yeah. And that, that'd be awesome. Like if you've got Dana, Brown, or Brown, keeps, that doesn't take me a while. Brian Danielson, <laughs> uh, you know, ste stepping up there to the elite. And uh, we're talking about factions and things, but it doesn't need to be about factions. It could be just be about good versus evil. Hey, the elite is like literally dominating everything, beating all up all the good guys. It's up to us. Dan Bryan and CM Punk to to stop them, and I guess that could definitely start with, uh, or maybe even culminate in some ways with uh, the two of them facing the Young Bucks. That would be definitely a, a dream match in some ways. Ironically, with Punk and Bryan not even being an actual team, you know, just being two guys that are absolute fan favorites and two of the greatest uh, of this generation uh, in recent memory, uh, that would just be very very fun. Uh, you mentioned having Punk and uh, Alan Singh in that six-man for Arthur Ashe. Maybe they build up that kind of elite storyline and do a tag match at full gear. As we were mentioning a minute ago, maybe, maybe they draw out, uh, you know, Brian Danielson versus Kenny Omega do that a little longer term, but maybe you do that tag team match for full gear. There are definitely a number of ways that could go. Um, but Lots this is of a lot options. Of fun. Lots yeah. of options, which and is that, that, exciting. That's yes. exciting. Yeah. And, and that's the good thing, right? I was talking about it uh, earlier in the show. It's like you kind of worry about their ability to, to juggle all these guys. But on the flip side, they have so many options. There's so many things that they could do. 
uh, and then it's almost like this this surplus of of exciting things and exciting options that they have, and it's just more that becomes the more the more the most fun thing where it's like okay, you know, they could do X, Y, and Z, and now we got to wait and see what they do wind up doing, and, and that's a very fun position to be in. Rather than uh, we're not trying to trying to bury WWE, but sometimes it's like there's they're so clearly going one way, and not to say they don't have surrounds with options, but sometimes it's like. They don't have as much flexibility in some of the things that they do. So definitely one of the things here that we can enjoy about uh, this show tonight and looking forward, tons of options, tons, tons of possibilities have been opened up here. So CM Punk back in the ring here, picking up a big win in his debut, uh, kicking off his uh, his in-ring uh, return to action What was definitely a, a very exciting win. Whatever happens next, it's going to be a lot of fun. So uh, another thing that was a lot of fun, we talked about the Young Bucks a minute ago, we had an absolutely crazy COKs match for the AW World Tag Team Championship. Uh, the Lucha Brothers taking on the Young Bucks here. The Lucha Brothers winning a, a tag title uh, eliminator tournament by beating Jurassic Express in the finals. So uh, to me, uh, before the match here, I thought, okay, this would be a fun way to get the titles off the Young Bucks. These guys have history. The Lucha Brothers, for my money, one of the, the one of the best teams on the roster, if not the if not the business, they're just they're great. The Unbucks are great too, uh, but they've had those titles for quite a while now, so this felt like a good time to get them off. You had the steel cage match to kind of uh, love for the playing field, so it did feel like a a possibility they would lose. But then on top of that, I did think beforehand, I was like, okay, maybe the Unbucks will figure out a way to win, and then they'll go on to Arthur Ashe in just a couple weeks, and they could face Santana or and Ortiz, the hometown guys, and they would win. Well, yeah. the Lucha Brothers won. It was a it was a crazy, fun, wild match. Uh, we had uh, uh, we had like a, a basketball shoe with thumbtacks in it. We had uh, Pentagon bleeding like a stuffed pig. Uh, they're using the shoe left and right here. Uh, Phoenix do dove off the cage, and probably one of the most exciting in-ring moments of the night. Absolutely crazy. Um, you know, two of the best tag teams in the business. Do what they do best. A lot of fun here. And in the end, the Lucha Brothers did win. It's the de dethroning the Young Bucks here. And as I said, probably, um, as I, yeah, maybe other than Satana Ortiz, the best option to dethrone such a, a dominant team like that. So, Matt, what do you think of the match and the decision to have the Lucha, the Lucha Brothers win here? Uh, when I went into the pay-per-view this weekend, I didn't think any of the titles were going to change. Um, but of the four... This was the only one that I thought was a real possibility, but I still did like you. I thought we were going Young Buck, Santana, and Ortiz at Arthur Ashe. And I mean, they could still do Lucha Brothers and Santana and yeah. Ortiz at Arthur Ashe if they want to. Um, but yeah, th this was probably the most shocking result of the evening. I, I would say out of the whole card, this is this was the result that surprised me the most. But the match was awesome. Like these these guys, these four guys killed each other. So it was it was freaking sick. Yeah, I mean, I think there there's something about AEW when you know you have a match like this and you're like, all right, there's there's no way they can live up to the hype. It's like it's two of the best tag teams in the business. Uh, we've seen it before and it was great before. I don't know how they'd surpass it. And this was fantastic. I mean, one of the best Steel Cage matches I can recall. One of the best tag matches I can recall in AEW history and, and just my, my experience as a fan, it was a lot of fun. As I said, Ray Phoenix diving off the cage, Michael Polisak bringing up the Super Canadian Destroyer. I think that was from Penta to, uh, I, don't, I don't remember which Jackson it was, but it was just a match full of highlights here. You had blood, you had um, so many high spots there, uh, a lot of fun there. And you know, AEW definitely has a very loaded, uh, you know, 
deep tag division here. So, you know, you think about Satana and Ortiz, you think about, you know, maybe FTR, you think about, uh, man, I don't even know. Just like they have so many options. Jurassic Expressway in the wings, Varsity Blondes, teams they could build up like the Acclaimed. Some, again, options is, is the theme of the night here. So looking yep. forward, uh, the Lich Brothers definitely uh, could could tear it down with any, any number of teams going forward. So I think this was a good call, Matt, as you said, probably, I forgot about Private Party, but um, probably one of the, um, yeah, I, I, of the title matches here, the most likely candidate for a, a title change here, where it's like, it's the Lucha Brothers. It, it's one of the, you know, again, one of the better teams in the company, if not the business. So this felt like, uh, again a good time to do it you got the steel cage so there wasn't any uh blatant interference like that um so i, I like it a lot i think this is this is fun i mean yeah you know, and, the, mo the moment with penta and his kids after the the match was pretty freaking cool too Although yeah they got his blood all over them but <laughs> it was still pretty cool to see them get to share that moment with their dad i thought that was i thought that was very cool yeah no that was nice i mean and penta and phoenix you know just true and true baby faces here whereas once upon a time they were you know they, they were like kind of set up as heels how can you boo these guys they're fun they're they're great yeah that moment with penta and his kids uh and i do it, it is worth noting that not you like they won the titles here and they're still kind of part of the storyline with Pac and andrade we know that Pac will face andrade friday on rampage and i'm curious now I, I just mentioned their baby faces but there's this part of me that at least before tonight had wondered could they turn the Lucha Brothers heel and have them align with Andrade, but at this point, the champions, we, had, we just had, I think it was over a year of the Bucks' heels, so I feel like we're going to get a nice baby face run for the Lucha Brothers here, right? I mean, they, look, if, if it's, if they're planning on being a short-term run and they're just going to drop, and then they're going to drop them to Santana and Ortiz and Arthur Ashe, which I don't think that's something AEW would do, such a short title reign, but if that is the plan, I mean, I guess they could turn them heel, um, but if they're going to hold the titles for a while, I don't. I think a heel turn would be a bad idea. Yeah, you, you know, know Andrade's I, yet to really find his footing with, with AEW right now either. And until they really establish Andrade and what they want him to be, I don't think they should be adding you know more people to his act right now. It's true. It's true. Um, it's interesting because I think with AEW, you definitely have plenty of these long reigns that really kind of blow up the titles. And kind of for that reason, Robert and I were talking about this on the SmackDown show the other day where you've got in, over in WWE land, these dominant long world title reigns. Because of that pattern, there's some possibility you, you could think of them do, kind of flipping the script and doing a short title reign to kind of keep it fresh like that. Because if you do have these... Uh, consistent long title reigns that almost it can become a little predictable whereas doing kind of a, a quote-unquote hot potato switch not that i'm saying that's the right thing to do no no I'm, i get it i'm more I mean, saying that's well, something they could well, do arguably when wwe was at its hottest point in the attitude era exactly. titles were flip-flopping all the time yeah like those those titles didn't stay on anybody for a really long period of time those titles you know world title intercontinental title european title hardcore title tag title they were they were flipping around you know, every other month it felt like at that point. But, but I mean, that was part of the excitement of the Attitude Era as well. So, yeah. And we're, obviously the, the business has changed, wrestling has changed, and, and fan preferences have changed. So I think, you know, maybe the, the best path forward would be kind of a compromise of like, you know, having some nice 
fairly lengthy title reigns, having some, you know, switches. I think, you know, John Moxley was the world champion. He won it last February and he lost, no, March and he lost in December. That's not all too long, but that's, that's still a pretty solid reign. So, I, you know, anything shorter than like a couple months would be pretty surprising at this point. Um, yeah, I think the on one I would say the Lucha Brothers deserve a long reign. The, on the other hand, if they want to do kind of a, a hot potato like that, at the very least, you know, tonight the Lucha Brothers got quote unquote got their flowers. They got that moment in front of the crowd. He got the Penta got that moment with, with his kids. So you know, crazy crazy things have happened, and I think it'd be fun to see Santana and Ortiz of the titles as well. But you know, presumably we're gonna get a nice reign for the Lucha Brothers here, and I'm looking forward to that. Uh, another thing I'm looking forward to is seeing what's next for Chris Jericho because we now know that Chris Jericho's entering career in AEW will continue after he defeated MJF tonight. I thought this was a very fun match, really, really good storytelling, near falls, uh, good stuff all around. There, there was the controversial ending when MJF got the pin, even though Jericho's foot was on the ropes, and uh, the match was restarted. I think it was probably like a one or two minute match after that uh, when Jericho got a near fall and then uh, MJF went for the Judas effect. And in the end, uh, Jericho made MJF tap out to the walls of Jericho. So Chris Jericho still going to be around in AEW. And I have to imagine this has got to be it, right? I can't imagine they do MJF and Jericho again. No, this is it. This is yeah. it. It's time for both, both men to move on and do different things. And, I don't know if we're going to see Jericho in a focus story over the next month or two, but it'll be very interesting with the inner, with the inner circle still intact. Where are they going to fall on the lines of this war? You know, with the elite and everybody else, you know, I would imagine, I would imagine they would be anti elite. So it's going to be very interesting. It's, it's, it's going to be fun. Uh, Like I, I like where we don't know for sure where things are going. Because there's sometimes with other companies that you just you kind of see, you you see really evidently where where things are going. And right now it's like it's all up in the air, and it, you can speculate about it and talk and get excited, and and that's makes that's a great thing about being a wrestling fan. You know, it's just wondering what's going to happen next. Yeah, I mean Jericho. It's Jericho does have his Fozzie tour. I didn't yeah, see we have Michael, a comment about Michael that. Ask that. Um, but but as far as I'm aware, none of the dates fall on a Wednesday. So true. I mean, it's he true. did that. He he did that on purpose. So yeah, I, I don't think we're going to be seeing Jericho disappearing or any or anything anytime soon. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see what's next for, next for him in the inner circle. But I I, I want to believe that the inner circle pinnacle war. It's done. I think I it's time so. to move on. <laughs> I mean, I think plenty of people, myself included, would say, especially sitting here tonight, it's like, if this is where you figured you're going to end up with that feud, why would you have the Inner Circle win at Double or Nothing? Because ironically, other than tonight, the Inner Circle really hasn't done all too much as a group, um, all things considered, you know, really since that match. They've had a couple... You know, run-ins for saves, a couple, you know, uh, interactions where, you know, some things here and there. But otherwise, largely, you've had Ortiz and Santana kind of branch off feud of FTR on their own. You've had Chris Jericho largely on his own against MJF. Um, and like a, a one-off match with Sammy Guevara and Sean Spears, very much like the members feuding, but not a lot of like, you know, team ups or anything so you know in some ways you sit here tonight and i am like okay why did that that why did they not break up in the first place and we and we did see we did see the inner circle come out and celebrate with chris jericho tonight so they're very clearly still uh a thing 
so, someone told me this earlier this week, and I don't remember it. Maybe you do, but someone told me that that they said when the five labors of Jericho started, that it was understood that Jericho was going to be doing this on his own without the inner circle. And that's why they were kind of separated on TV during that time. So like, I don't remember that being said, but other people have said that that's, that's how it went down. So I mean, that, that would, that, that would explain why Jericho and the group were, were kind of, you know, doing separate things during this whole path for Jericho to get back to MJF. It's just interesting to me because even after that, you know, we had the fifth labor was MJF and they, they faced off on dynamite and MJF won. And then even after that, you know, Jericho had some, you know, individual promos to set up this match with MJF and still do you know, not a whole lot of interactions. And then to me, call me old fashioned, but like if, if it's a faction, if we're, if they're going to go, go with it, like, all right, uh, you know, the, the inner circle can't interfere on Jericho's behalf in these matches. You know, they still could have done some, you know, some trios matches together that, you know, they still could have, quote unquote, hung out, you know, without Jericho that, you know, yeah, again, hindsight's twenty twenty, but like, yeah. it's just interesting that they haven't really been a group. And now, you know, now that Jericho is still going to be around, presumably, uh, you do have to wonder, like, are we going to see them few in Matt, you mentioned a minute ago, uh, where, where, where are both these groups going to fall in this, you know, elite, uh, elite, elite driven storyline where it's like you've got the elite with the world title you've got uh other groups in there as well you think about the dark order you think about uh hfo hard family family office uh any number of things so uh again the again the word night is possibility here uh options are definitely are all over the place in terms of what they could do uh and i'm very much looking forward to see what happens I and mean, we have one comment saying you could see uh mjf facing cm punk at some point and not and then not, oh, not sure. too distant future for yeah. sure That'd be a, that'd be a lot of fun. I don't think I don't think it's like right around the corner, but yeah. that, that that match is absolutely happening. Yeah. So you know that's one thing they can build up to uh, for MJF. This this feels I, I mean I think this was what maybe the last time he's lost since facing Moxley. If I'm not like at least on a singles match, like he really think, doesn't lose so. a lot. So he doesn't lose often. He doesn't have singles matches often either. So that kind of helps protect him in the long term. Yeah. So. Um, I think that's definitely something they could build up to for, uh, at some point in the, again, not too distant future. Not That's not going to be tomorrow, but definitely something that could be uh, happening at some point. Now, Matt, one thing that's, that's going to be, I feel like it's going to be a Jeopardy question at some point. The co-main event of this historic pay-per-view was Paul White versus QT Marshall. And tall Paul, make, baby. Tall Paul. Tall Paul was there. Tall Paul. He, he looked great. Um <laughs> But my gosh, like, and that makes sense, right? This is the very they much needed, the, they needed a buffer match. Yeah. Uh, yeah I just think that's nice. so funny that this was the quote unquote co-main event uh, in terms of the actual structure. Obviously, we know that really the if the co-main event on paper was definitely uh, Sam Punk and Darby Allen and the main event was the title match. So, yeah. uh, but in the end here, yes, this definitely was the, a buffer match. Paul White back in the ring. It's the big show, if you will, uh, facing QT Marshall, who had the factory there with him. And this was what, what you would expect it to be, if not hope it to be. It wasn't long. We didn't have to spend a lot of time with it. Uh, the, the factory interfered. Somehow they get, they, they get distracted with the referee. And Aaron Solo and Nick Camaroto Kamar- uh, attacked Paul White. Still, And he still, <laughs> still wasn't enough. The big show, Paul White, uh, easily won here. But at the end of the day, that's the headline. Paul White 
is back in the ring, picking up a win, much like CM Punk. So I guess I have to ask, what do you think of this, albeit brief match, and much like much like CM Punk, what's next for Paul White? Uh, short and sweet, exactly what it needed to be. Um, I don't foresee Paul White doing a lot of regular matches. I think he's going to be more of a special attraction. But if you ask me what's next for Paul White, the obvious answer is Shaquille O'Neal. We're we're get, we're gonna get Paul White versus Shaq, the match that WWE wanted to do several years ago, and it didn't happen. We're getting. I think that'll be the next time you actually see White in the ring. I think it's gonna be. I think it's gonna be Paul White and Shaq. Yeah, I mean it's worth pointing out when we had Shaq in that tag match of Cody Rhodes. Shaq got uh, put in the ambulance and he mysteriously disappeared. So uh, Shaq's use a little bit of Shaq foo. Yeah. So you got, yeah, man, I think that'd be fun. I mean, for me, uh, the, the Adam Cole, Brian Delton stuff is definitely up my alley, but if you throw in a fun, like celebrity, uh, dream match like that, I mean, that's something that, as you said, WWE was building up for years and they just could never pull it off. I think it was, uh, Paul White has done maybe a couple interviews. I think Shaq did as well. They both basically said there's a lot of red tape and they just couldn't, they, they couldn't make it happen, and now they're in there. I mean, Paul Weiss and Red AW has gone, yeah. So, you know, I feel like that will be a thing at some point, maybe a special episode of Dynamite, or if they want to save it for a pay per view, uh, gear, maybe, maybe you know, that's yeah. a match you don't, you don't need a lot of time to build up. So, hey, I think that'd be fun. Yeah, they they and, could do that build in like three weeks, like you don't, you yeah. don't need, you don't need several months of build for Paul White and Shaq. No, and you you mentioned you know or, the, or at least the idea of Paul White being a special attraction. Joseph Priestley laughing at that in the comments, but I think that's the best use to storm. You, I don't want to see Paul White out there every week let, or yeah. even like all too often. He is he's the big show. Like he's supposed to to me like especially at this point in his career, he should be this quote unquote special attraction in that you don't see him often. He's not in there every week, you know, and you can have that fun, you know, quote unquote nostalgia pop and just throw him out there for an after Shaq. You mentioned uh, maybe at some point Mark Henry getting back in the ring. I think that'd be a lot of fun for, for what it is, you know, two, two big dudes going in there with a lot of history. So that's something I think, they could do. I think we see Mark back in the ring eventually, but I don't think it's going to be against Paul. I, I, th- I think he'll be, I think he'll be doing something else. What? I don't know, but yeah, I mean, Look, some people might not consider them to be special attractions, but I mean that's what they are. I mean they're not for they're not for the hardcore AEW fan. They're part no. of the wrestling buffet that gives something to everybody, and the casual wrestling fan knows who Paul White is. They know the Big Show. He has name value. They when you see him, you know who he is, and that's why he's there. Yeah. I think that's that's all there is to it. Uh, there's and they're very much like CM Punk, albeit in a very different way. <laughs> there's a lot they could do with Paul White. Uh, one comment suggesting Paul White versus Luchasaurus. Uh, I mentioned Mark Henry more of more out of a you know nostalgic kind of thing because I I remember the feud from WWE. That's and um, I don't know. I think there's there's just uh, some fun options on the table there as well. So. Again, I think definitely somebody you not, you're not going to see all too often in the ring. He's obviously on commentary. Although uh, Mark Cho Hansen pointing out, we might very well see Paul White versus Billy Gunn as oh, a, an interim oh, that's, feud. That's a good point. That's a good so, point. That's something they could do. Guns. Maybe maybe at Arthur Ashe just to make that a little more special. If we're, if we're approaching this like uh, Paul White being that special attraction, I think that would definitely make some sense. So right. Right there is your attitude error special attraction match. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, you know, we, we've gotten a couple of comments saying, like, comparing, you know, if you, you factor in, you know, 
uh, Paul White, Billy Gunn, CM Punk, now uh, Brian Danielson, Adam Cole, you know, plenty of ex-WWE guys. It's important to know, know at the same time, AW has plenty of their own homegrown guys. They had Darby Allen in there against, against CM Punk, but Darby Allen is someone they've built up very, very nicely. You've got Kenny Omega, um, yeah, the Young Bucks, Jurassic Express, uh, plenty of uh, pretty much just as many examples of W guys, if not more, you could point to AW having uh, their own success stories in that sense. So yeah. I don't think some of those comparisons are, are all that fair. As I, as I said earlier on, maybe if anything, the concern just being overall talents, like, wow, they've got all these names now, all the star, pow star power. So um, star, star power is needed. You need yeah. star power to attract the casual fan. And if they want to continue building their audience, if they want to eventually compete, with the numbers that Raw and SmackDown do on a weekly basis, they're going to need, they're going to need to, 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 you know, to have their roster have these types of talents. And I know that the diehard fan doesn't want some of these guys there, but Tony Khan knows what he's doing. I think he's, I, I think he's, at this point, we should give him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. That, that he knows what he's doing right now. I think tonight's pay per view is a perfect example of that. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, and one another thing that I, I think speaks to that, where it's like he, Tony Khan and AW gave people what they wanted. Ruby Soho is all elite, formerly known as Ruby Riot. She showed up in the Women's Casino Battle Royale, widely expected here, but sometimes the most obvious direction is probably the right one. So, you know, the, the Casino Battle Royale does have the Joker spot. And I think Ruby Riot was someone that uh, was probably rumored for the spot. Uh, ever since she got released from WWE. So, you know, the writing's kind of been on the wall. She's been releasing these vignettes uh, about her new destination. And then her Jack Knight said, Destination AW. She is all elite. She won this Battle Royale, uh, lastly, by eliminating Thunder Rosa. Some people had a problem with that, where it's like Thunder Rosa definitely uh, deserved a title shot there. But ironically, I saw someone tweet out that Thunder Rosa, by virtue of Chris Statlander losing to Britt Breaker tonight, should be uh, the top bracket contender anyway. So that's a match that you can easily set up regardless. So she didn't need that win. And then you bring in Ruby Soho. She wins. Fun moment for the crowd. Matt, what do you think about Ruby Soho joining AW and winning the Battle Royale here? As soon as she was released, I, I said, hey, she dressed up as the Joker. You would know, have loved, and, loved to see know, that, man. I mean, how perfect would it be if she was the Joker in the Casino Battle Royal? And that's exactly what they did. Um, like, I, I know some of the people said Thunder Rosa should have won, but Thun the person who wins the Casino Battle Royal isn't waiting until full gear to get this title no, shot. No. You know, they're going to get it on an episode of Dynamite. If you're going to do Baker Rosa again, you're doing it on pay-per-view. You're not doing that on Dynamite again. You can build that up for full gear and you do Britain and Soho on the road to on the road to full gear. So, so like Soho was absolutely the right call when it came down to to her and Rosa as to who should have won. They, they, they made the right call and the crowd loved it. Yeah. Yeah. It was a very, very fun ending there. Um, the fun battle royale. I liked it a lot. Uh, definitely worth noting that ironically, uh, as fun as the surprise was. This match really only made the pay-per-view card itself because Pac and Andrade got postponed. So otherwise, as initially planned, the Battle Royale would have been on the buy-in. So this would have been something that you could have watched for free on YouTube. And, you know, just because the, the cards fell as they did, then this match did get added to the main card. So it became part of the, uh, the pay-per-view itself. But just a fun little tidbit there. Uh, but we did get a question about who we think Ruby could fi uh, feud with, or yeah, feud with first, uh, if presuming she doesn't get the title shot right away, you know, maybe you can build her up a little bit uh, before that. You know, I think there are some options there. 
uh, you know, maybe someone like a Nile Rose, you know, that's been kind of established in AW uh, to kind of build her up first like that. Whereas Albert uh, Samarowski saying he could see uh, Yuka Sakazaki maybe being an option. But what, who do you think might be first for Rupa Soho uh, if they don't do the title match right away? If they don't, if they don't go right to the title match, um, you'll probably see her in matches with Rebel and Jamie Hayter first. You know, Britt will, you know, Britt will send her reinforcements in to try to slow Ruby down before the title match. Yeah. Um, but I don't, I don't see her getting into any type of actual feud until after that match concludes because yeah. it would just, it would dilute, um, it would dilute the win and what she's there to do. Yeah. So. Do you think they'll build it up more than the Arthur Ashe show, or do you think they might do a quick turnaround and have that? You know, that's Man, what two I, I weeks think from that, now. I think that's a perfect. I think that's a perfect place to have the match. The, the, that that card is going to be loaded. Arthur Ashe is going to feel like a pay per view. It's going to be a two hour pay per view, and it's it's going to be it's going to be fantastic. Yeah, largest crowd AEW's ever been in front of. It's it's gonna it's that's gonna be a special night. They're they're they know it. They know that that card has to be top to bottom stacked. Yeah, for sure. No, I think that's very very much gonna be a fun show. Um, whether that title match is on or not, you know, now again, now you factor in CM Punk, Brian Danielson, Adam Cole. Uh, if they're presuming they they would be there, it's gonna be an absolutely star-studded show. Uh, yeah. Speaking of speaking of which, even before that, we're gonna have a star-studded match this Wednesday on Dynamite because John Moxley is gonna be facing Minoru Suzuki, who showed up tonight. The crowd lost their minds after Moxley defeated uh, Satoshi Kojima uh, in a match that, granted, some people were were a little down on because you know the the thought was that Moxley would face one of the the top guys in New Japan, you know, uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi or, or somebody of that level. You know, didn't that that couldn't really happen for whatever reason. So they bring it Satoshi Kojima, a legend in his own right, a very physical match. I enjoy it a lot. I, I'm not very familiar with uh, Kojima, but I was very impressed by it. Very physical. Uh, the crowd was really behind it as well. But then after the match, the crowd lost it when, when Minoru Suzuki came out very much. Uh, this is something that I think plenty, plenty of fans have been hoping to see for a while. Now we're going to get it uh, on Dynamite on Wednesday in Mox's hometown of Cincinnati. So, Matt, what do you think of this match with uh, Satoshi Kojima? And this you know, now we know it will be happening in the match with uh, Minoru Suzuki. Match was, match was solid. It was a solid, hard-hitting match. I, I enjoyed it. I know a lot of people, myself included, wanted to see Tanahashi in this spot, but it, you know, logistically just didn't work out. But the crowd didn't seem disappointed at all. Crowd seemed really happy to see Kojima. They were really into the match, um, and yeah, I thought it was really good. And I thought that the uh, I thought the surprise with Minoru Suzuki afterwards was uh, freaking fantastic. Yeah. And it's just interesting where it's like the crowd went crazy for him and then he, you know, left Moxley lying. And I kind of help but feel like I think maybe maybe more than anybody at this point, like Moxley is the face of the companies, the former world champion. He carried the company through the pandemic era. Uh, and now, he, he, you know, he was kind of like waving the, the AEW flag tonight by facing a guy like Kojima. They'll be facing Suzuki on Wednesday. And it's just it's, it's interesting to me that he's like, um, oh, it feels like he's in this kind of even despite of that, this uh, in, a, in, a, in a bit of a, a not a lull because obviously these are very exciting matches, but it feels like these aren't these aren't long term things. Like he faced Kojima in this kind of one off match tonight. I would imagine Suzuki will be the same on Wednesday. And again, we we're talking about how things are you know feeling kind of up in the air when you've got 
know, CM Punk, not sure what he's going to go next. Then your circle, the pinnacle. I think Moxley very much is in that same, in that same vein where it's like, I'm not quite sure what he's going to do next beyond Wednesday. And you, you imagine there's, there's the potential for, for more of this, you know, maybe he, we will get the, the time of Hashi match at some point. Yeah, um, I, I definitely think we'll get it at some point just when it, you know, logistically makes sense for both companies to do it. Yeah. So, I mean, that could be, Maybe I mean, they, the, the story might be Moxley just keeps on going through New Japan guys until he gets his match with Tanahashi. That might be the story they end up telling. Like, he'll be like, I'm going to go through everybody until Tanahashi has the balls to step up and face me. And, you know, that might that might be the end game for the storyline. But, yeah, I, I don't – they teased Mox and Tanahashi weeks ago, and you don't – you don't set up a tease like that without eventually delivering on the match. So we're yeah. going to get it. It's just a matter of when instead yeah. of a matter of if. I would agree. And, and Tanahashi, for his part, has said in interviews that he wants to compete in the United States more regularly. So I think that's something we could see, again, in the, in the not too distant future. And full gear could make sense. Um, probably that would be the next most likely option. Or, or, or if it's a longer-term thing, maybe – the pay-per-view after that but i definitely think the fact that they they, they tease it so clearly uh would seem to suggest that we will probably get that at some point um whatever that might be but uh i think that'd be fun you know if that is the direction they want to go having moxley face uh more new japan guys as long as to me the only challenge would be that they're at a sim not at tanahashi's level but they had they kind of have to be uh like, like a satoshi kojima or minoru, minoru suzuki where they have that genuine uh track record and backing whereas yeah. you know they can't just throw out random new japan guys that definitely is going to be a balance there so uh definitely something to think about um going forward you know i, w- I was going to talk about one thing first but matt you set up the the segue so nicely you gotta say you talk about someone uh, having the balls to step up to moxley here speaking <laughs> of someone speaking of someone that had balls eddie kingston wanted to redeem these nuts tonight when he faced miro in the opening match for the tnt title my gosh, they made a t-shirt. It's fantastic. Eddie Kingston is so much fun. This match and this feud itself, you know, talk about maximizing your minutes and, and, and the build-up to it. They got, like, a couple, like, minute-long promos, not much more to it, and they still delivered these these really awesome promos with great lines. So by the time the show rolled around on Sunday, a lot of people, myself included, were excited for this match. Didn't quite expect it to open the show. I don't know what I probably would have picked otherwise, so I guess it all worked out. But uh, a very physical match, a fun one. Uh, ironically, there was a, there was practically a screw job here because the referee cost Eddie Kingston the match twice. Yes, the, refer- the referee was slow to the count uh, when uh, Kingston hit his DDT because the turnbuckle was exposed, and then to tie that to tie the turn- turnbuckle back in there, uh, the referee got in the way. When Kingston went to use, went to use the turnbuckle, and Miro capitalized with a low blow and kicked Kingston in the head twice for the win. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Where the referee quite like very directly was responsible for that loss. I will say for me, and I think many other people included, uh, I got a, a little too far in, into the fantasy booking weeds here. I really thought they were going to bring in Lana or CJ Perry. I was really so hoping for it. And then I thought, okay, they could do that. And then maybe they could do uh, a rematch of Arthur Ashe and have Kingston win there. But no Lana tonight. So I think it's something they could still do at some point, but not yeah. tonight. Yeah. Um, I think if we don't see her by Arthur Ashe, we probably don't see her at all. I, I think 
now is the prime time to strike if they want to bring her in. Um, I, I agree with you. I thought we were going to see her tonight. I thought she was going to be the one that was going to kick Kingston yes. in the nuts yeah. and, help Miro, and help Miro win the match. But she didn't. It was just Miro, you know, kicking nuts all by himself. Uh, so, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. I, I think it's a money act. Everybody knows how over Rusev and Lana were together back in the day. And with the creative freedom to allow them to work their own characters in AEW, I think it would be gold again. But I think it, the window is closing. And I think it's something that they're going to have to do within the next couple of weeks. They could also be waiting to do this for when Kip Sabian comes back. Mm. Because I thought earlier this summer they were planting the seeds for Miro and, and CJ against Kip and Penelope. Now that'd be something. And, and then they yeah. kind of and they kind of backed away from it a bit. Um, who knows when Kip's due back? But that might be another time that they could introduce her and and run that feud in like a, in a mixed tag match fashion. Yeah. I think that'd be a very fun option as well on top of all the other things we're talking about tonight. But uh, yeah, I think that'd be a lot of fun. And even if not, I think it's just interesting that, you know, they haven't, obviously they haven't brought Lana or CJ Perry in yet. And yet she's very much part of this universe. So like every promo uh, Rusev is, is talking about his hot wife. And then if you follow them on Twitter, you know, uh, after the national night, uh, Miro had said, you know, I, I, I redeemed those nuts. And then Lana, Lana said, I'm, I'm going to redeem yours at home. Oh my gosh. It's like they, for me as a fan, I'm like, I need this to happen. Okay. Like, because if we're talking about these, this, this, this insanity of having Brian Danielson, Adam Cole, CM Punk, all these things happen. You know, like for me, the icing on the cake at this point would be to have Miro and, and CJ Perry together on AWTV. Uh, and as, as, you, as you said, Matt, you know, having that creative freedom to do better than we got in WWE, because those two, they were very popular in WWE, but some of the storytelling was atrocious and that people just like to act so much. So, you know, having, being able to do better creatively, I think would, would work wonders for that. So, um, I hope it happens, but I, I think you you put it very well that it does feel like the clock is ticking and the, the door is closing. So I feel like if not Arthur Ashe, you know, maybe, or eh, I think the option of Kip Sabian and waiting for that could be something as well. But otherwise, like, I do think that the time might be running out there. So I hope it happens. And one of those things we're going to have to wait and see. Fingers crossed. Yeah. And otherwise, you know, the other big match tonight, of course, was Chris Statlander defending the women's title against no, crap. Flip it. Uh, Britt Baker defending <laughs> the title against Chris Statlander. Uh, for me, this is interesting, of course. Britt Baker is over like Rover. The crowd loves her. She's supposed to be a heel. So it's interesting that, you know, they had Baker uh, weeks ago defend uh, the title in Britsburg against uh, Red Velvet. It's supposed to be a face, but obviously Britt Baker got cheered like a, an absolute hero in her hometown. And now in Chicago, very much got to you like a top a, a top star. So I, I couldn't help but wonder, like, you know, who could they possibly? Uh, is there anybody they could build up as a face to beat Baker, or are they gonna are they gonna have to build up a heel because the crowd just loves her so much? Uh, I Rosa could be the one to take it from her. Yeah, but at the same token, Rosa beat her in the Lights Out match, so maybe AEW wants Britt to get her win back and continue her reign. It's hard to tell. But Britt's the ultimate tweener in professional yeah. wrestling right now. She's not a good guy. She's not a bad guy. She's just Dr. Britt Baker, DMD. And at that point, fans love it. Like, you, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. 
And yeah. right now, Britt Baker's firing on all cylinders, and there's no reason to change her character because no. the fans are just eating everything up that she's doing right now. Absolutely. And it's so interesting to me. I think it was yesterday, uh, Ringside Collectibles announced that uh, the Lights Out version of Baker is getting an action figure. That's Baker crazy. lost that. Baker lost that match. Yet she's the one that has benefited so much from it. If not for that match, she probably wouldn't be the champion right now. And she's become this true top star of the company. And yet Thunder Rosa like really hasn't enjoyed nearly as much like growth, even though she won that match. There's something that's so interesting about that to me, where it's like you know, and 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 you mentioned we were talking about earlier in the show. You have to imagine that they are probably going to run that match back. At some point, full gear being a very good option. So, it, may, I think at that point, yeah, maybe there will be a, a very kind of fun full circle moment of having Thunder Rosa be the one to take the title from her. Um, although she did, she did win the Lights Out match, so maybe you want to have to, you want to have Baker get that one back. So, it's definitely interesting to me that uh, the the loser will benefit ultimately in, in the long run there. Well, you know, and literally got got an action figure made from it. So. Uh, for the match itself tonight, I thought it was a good match. Chris Statlander has looked very impressive uh, since she came back. I thought um, this is a, this is a good showing for her. And w- one of my favorite moments of the match didn't even have anything to do with the the two competitors. Orange Cassidy like angrily or like passionately yelled at Chris Statlander, like he's he, like yelled like get up and like it's it's Orange Cassidy, like the most like laid back guy you know, like on the roster. I thought that was a really fun twist there. Um, for a, little, a nice little moment of character development uh, for Orange Cassidy. So a very little thing like that. Added even more to the match and having them, along with a Hater and uh, Rebel at ringside, you know, made it this fun, like, you know, fun storytelling there. Um, so, yeah, I think looking forward, you got Ruben Soho getting a title match probably at some point soon. Beyond that, Thunder Rosa. So, uh, yeah, yeah, as you said, Matt, Brett Baker firing on all cylinders. The crowd's loving it. It's great. I like it a lot. And for me, now that that kind of wraps up the main card. I do just want to point out the the, the buy-in match was so much fun. We saw the, the Jurassic Express team up with um, Chuck Taylor and Cassidy and Will Yuta to, to beat uh, Hardy Family Hardy Family Office. Fun match, very like, and it was absolutely free. And then the the Butcher came back, so now Hardy Family Office back in full swing. The Butcher is back, so that was that was a fun moment to have on the on the the the, the, the buy-in there. So. I guess, you know, we're talking about these factions and talking about the elite, talking about the inner circle. But now, you know, even though they lot, we're just talking about the loser benefiting more with Brett Baker uh, losing against Thunder Rosa. Now you've got Hardy Family Office. They may have lost that match, but they got the butcher back. So, you know, where do you see, I guess I should say, Hardy Family Office going from here? Well, I don't think this feud's going away. I know some people want it to be done, um, but I think the feud between the HFO and the, and the best friends is uh, it's I think it's just getting started and and I don't and I don't think it's going anywhere anytime soon. I, I think the feud between Hardy and Orange Cassidy is, is too intense at the moment, you know, after Hardy getting his face broken yeah. Yeah. a few weeks ago. Um yeah, I, I, I think I think that feud is going to continue and we'll just have to see where it goes from there. Yeah. Um yeah, and there's fun stuff they can do, especially bringing in a fresh character, a guy that hasn't been there since April in in the Butcher. You know, that that keeps it fresh a little bit. Uh, and as as D McRoy saying here, that lets them do more stable wars. We've got HFO, best friends, uh, the Pinnacle, the Inner Circle, the Elite up there at the top. Think about Death Triangle being more of a trio, but uh, stable nonetheless. 
again, options, possibilities, the theme of the night. And with the, the butcher coming back, definitely opens up some more of that. So looking forward to seeing what he does as well. But you know, that about wraps it up here. This was a loaded show, a long show, a an unbelievably fun show uh, with an ending that I that I know I won't soon forget. So Matt, I'll ask you, what would you rate the show from a scale of one to ten? One being oh. awful and ten being the best. Man, in the in the moment, man, I gotta go like nine point five to a ten. Yeah, like it, it's hard. Like I like I said at the top of the show, I I can't remember a better top to bottom. AEW pay-per-view than what they gave us tonight. Like I felt like every match accomplished what it wanted to do. Uh, I thought it was fantastic. I, I love the show. You know, it's going to be one of the shows that I'm going to want to go back and watch again. For sure. Like, I'm definitely going to want to watch that ending sequence yeah. and, like a hundred times. Like yeah. I watched the CM Punk return at the first <laughs> dance a hundred times, but yeah, dude, it was, it's hard to say that it wasn't, it wasn't a perfect pay-per-view. Like I can't really think of anything to really bitch about. And, you know, I'm always like nitpicking and, you know, poking at things, you know? Um, but man, like in this moment, as I sit here talking to you, man, it was like, it was the best pay-per-view AEW's ever done. I would agree. I was thinking about it even before the show started and I was on, on paper comparing it to double or nothing revolution. I would say on paper, it, surpass those cards and then if i'm um, not to bring up bad things but you think about the uh the exploding death match done at revolution uh i think yeah. about and you know, double or nothing was a very fun show but you know didn't have this it didn't have yeah. you know sam punk didn't have brian Danielson, didn't have a adam cole um so i i i gotta say i definitely agree i mean this was probably the best aw pay-per-view that i've seen um and it's going to be hard to top, and I'm very much looking forward to see what they do with, uh, to, to to try and top it. So for me, uh, yeah, especially in the moment, I would agree, probably like a nine point five. And I never rate that highlight, but I am hyped and excited, and it really, you know, really reinvigorated that that feeling that wrestling is fun again, uh, at least in AW land. So it's a good time. Adam Smarowski saying a hundred, say a very high score there. Do not forcing <laughs> great. Do not forcing a great show. Benjamin A. Jones giving it a 6.9, perhaps a little uh, jokingly, oh but <laughs> oh my! <laughs> uh, but you know, top to bottom here with the show, with AW's growth and just general buzz here, um, and for months now, uh, Dean McRoy saying it's been a great year for wrestling, and I would Absolutely. definitely agree, a, a great year that. I mean, tonight you would think kind of sets it up to get even better, even more exciting. So. Um, Man, yeah, it's just, it's a fun time. It's a good time. Uh, John Elite, maybe for All Elite, saying it's a 9 out of 10 for All Out tonight um, with a very good show. Yeah, I mean, it, uh, yeah, that, that's for me the best way to put it. I never rate that highly, but I've 9.5 might be low, as you said, Matt. I can't even think of too much yeah. to really be all that upset about. So, And I um, might be going to full gear, so I hope TK tries to top it in November. Yeah. You know, Take take this show and make it make it even better in November. Keep on, you know, keep on raising the bar, you know, and making wrestling fans happy. This is what it's all about, man. Absolutely. And speaking of raising the bar, Mark Johansson giving it a twelve out of ten. So definitely, the you viewers are very happy with the show, as are we. So you know, definitely a very good show. As I said, gonna be hard to top, but I very much I I've tr I trust AEW to do it. I think they're gonna be able to do it. 
Um, and we'll, I'm definitely going to be along for the ride no matter what. I think it's going to be a very fun time in the next couple of weeks uh, and beyond. So very much looking forward to it. Uh, and more, again, more tens, more high scores here. So seems like definitely tonight <laughs> was a winning show. Uh, and that's, that's all there is to it. So uh, a very fun show, a very fun night here in the world of wrestling. Um, you know, we'll be here to talk about uh, Monday Night Raw later tonight on Monday night. John Clark and I talk about Monday Night Raw. John and I also talk about NXT on Tuesdays. The Diamond Dudes with Rampage will talk about all things AEW uh, later this week. They'll give their full thoughts on the show. Dominic D'Angelo was at the show tonight in Chicago, so I'm sure he'll have plenty to say about it as well. Otherwise, we've got a great stream of interviews coming at you guys. Um, I, I have some myself lined up. I'll previously interviewed CM Punk, so definitely check that out. All those things and more available on all of our streaming platforms. And Matt, we're going to have to get you back on the show. This has been a lot of fun to talk about all things AW with you. So I thank you very much for joining us, and I hope you all enjoy the show. And Matt, I'm not sure if you if you if you watch our shows, but we do one thing here at Justice Zone, and that's can you tell me what that is? I, I do don't know. You're, you're, ah, you're going to have to tell me. You're going to have to teach you the Justice Zone ways. We enjoy wrestling. Thanks for listening, yes, everybody. Have a good night. Should.